Amen. Good morning. Jen sends her greeting. She is off in uh, North Carolina. Her father uh, is a diabetic and is having an amputation. So she's some toes and things. But anyway, so she's there with him. Um, she's, she's upbeat about it. He's upbeat about it. Um, so, yeah, life goes on with all sorts of things in our lives. Um, last week, is anybody here for the first time? Yeah, I was looking at you when I said that. Is anybody here for the, I saw you come in. Um, just for you, we have a couple of slides. Um, this, everybody, okay, no, no hazing this morning. We typically <laughs> haze for the first time, but Sonia called me and said, not, not this time. Um, so we're exploring um, this, doing and teaching approach about how do we, by the Spirit, put to death the deeds of the flesh. So Romans says you, you did bad stuff, you do bad stuff, and you might be a bad person. Okay? And that gets us, and then that's Romans 2. And then Romans up to Romans 8 says, I took care of the stuff you did, I took care of the stuff you're doing, I took care of the accusation of Satan, I took care of the accusation of the law, and I took care of your own self-accusation. So now we're at the end of Romans 7. It's like, whoo, um, And so, so that's all good news. And so now all of that is past tense. And so now we are in Romans 8 in real time. And he says, now, now that all that stuff has been, been taken care of in fact, now let's have it in life be taken care of, in practical life. And so there's really two things that happen in tandem. Romans 8 happens and Romans 12 happens. And in the middle, he says to the Jews, no, this is about you too, right? So Romans 9, 10, 11, he goes, this is about you too. So, so in Romans 8, he says, if by the Spirit we're putting to death, bam, episodic, quick, stronghold breaking, we're putting to death the deeds of the flesh we live, if by the Spirit. And he talks about as many as are walking by the Spirit there, the sons of God. It's all Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. And then we go through this, okay, Jews, this means you too. Then we go to Romans 12 and he says, now, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you might prove what is the will of God, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. And then he goes on and he talks about now, now here's how you fit into the body, your new self with your new mind. Okay, you got a new job in the body, a new, an identity as something in the body, okay? And so we're in that place now where we're coming into contact, we're encountering strongholds in us, places that we don't fully control. And when we touch those places, stuff happens that we go, wow, that, that was a little out of proportion to, you know, somebody taking my parking place. Um, <laughs> or something like that. And so we go, okay, there's something here that I need to deal with. And that's what we're talking about. So we're talking about practical ways to do that. How do we do that practically? Because it's not just poof magic. If by the Spirit, woo, 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 I woke up and it was gone. No, we, we take practical steps to do that. And so we partner with God to do that. He's a senior partner, we're the junior partner, and we're partnering with Holy Spirit. So it doesn't say, if by doctrine, if by study, if by a really good counselor. If, it says, if by the Spirit, we're putting to death these things. Okay, And so these things are places where when we 
with the Spirit, when we take action with the Spirit, fast things happen. Things break fast and then we consolidate. So growth, growth is like, yip, consolidate, consolidate, yip, consolidate. And we're, we're talking about the yip part, okay? We're talking about this part right now. We're talking about the place where things happen pretty quick, right? Does anybody want to share a testimony about anything that happened pretty quick? I do. Yeah, ready to go. I want to hear one. Oh, oh, wait, hang on. I was, John, I was actually looking at you, but I, I don't know if you want to. Does anybody want to? Uh, you don't have to, but I was going to provoke you about the dreams. That, that oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, go I, ahead. I will. Step sure. in. Oh. Yeah. When I, when I was, this is a, a, a sin confession. Oh, whoa, I didn't mean to, to have. Oh, no, go ahead. Well, you, you talked about how things happen quickly. Yeah. Okay, um, I, I forgot that part. Yeah. Yeah. Retired, changed jobs, but I started having bad dreams about work. Bad dreams about work. Bad dreams yeah. About work. I'm retired, and in this class, it made me fess up to that and confess that. And I've never had a bad dream about it since. Yeah, just Being it's broken. Gone. It's it's gone. It just. Stuff, stuff. See, we, we, because when we think about things just mentally, we think, okay, this is going to take lots and lots and lots of counseling to, and I, who knows, psychotherapy, maybe drugs, maybe, okay. But God says, no, the, the, the breaking part happens really quick because there's, there's, it's like Jericho didn't take like 10 years to fall. It just took a trumpet and an earthquake. I mean, okay, and so, but, but taking the promised land took a while, right? He said, look, I'm going to drive them out slowly so that the wild beasts don't overwhelm you. So I'm not going to, you're not going to take the promised land all at once, but you're going to take it slowly. But each city is bam and bam, 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 right? But then we take the whole land over time. So we live in a land of promises, not a promised land. And we take the promises of God slowly but there are breakthroughs that happen fast and that's what we're about we're about these breakthroughs happening fast okay so there's a book um, normally ten dollars is what we get it for uh, but special offer free um, so if anybody wants a copy of the book here I'm passing one back to our guests so here John just pass that back um, first time guests get a free book um, we just can't sell them so we're <laughs> no. <laughs> um, so when we talk about foundations, there's some foundations about change. I'm catching up to where Jen left you last week about forgiveness. Um, we apply God's solutions, and then it's an event, a breakthrough, and then a process of consolidation. So God has some solutions, and he taught us about the four kinds of things that we run into in Luke 15. Everything that we run into is one of those four things. Look, I've, I've prayed with a thousand people and I've never not encountered a combination of those four things. So that's why in Luke 15, Jesus, who is, who is praying and counseling for the wounded and the broken and the sinners, and the Pharisees go, well, he hangs out with sinners, like there's any other kind, but anyway. And, 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 says, and so Jesus told them this parable, singular parable, in four parts. 
And so just like the parable of the sower of the seed is about the kinds of unsaved people you will encounter and what the motivating force is in their life and how to understand them. And he explained that one. These four parables are about the kinds of strongholds you encounter in a life. The first one is the lost coin. The lost coin is a victim. It's someone who's wounded. The coin didn't, get any, didn't do anything to get lost. The coin has value. It has the image of the king stamped on it. It's in a dark and dirty place. And the solution is someone who can operate like a woman, nurturing, loving, gentle, to shine a light, sweep the house, and have a party. Find the coin and have a party. That's what we do with people who are wounded. Generally, when someone is wounded, they hear the truth because what happened to me isn't so much the wounding as what I believe about what happened to me wounds me. Okay, it's what I believe about it is, is really killing me. Okay, but typically we need then to forgive. Forgiveness is our ticket out of prison. Okay, we talk about prisoners and captives. So forgiveness, and that's why we spend so much time about forgiveness because it's just all through scripture. And you have a handout, and we're going to come right back to forgiveness. But I want to just touch on the other one. So the lost sheep is a picture of entanglement. Sheep are dumb, right? And so I, I went someplace I shouldn't have gone. I got involved in something I should have got involved in. I, I, I was stupid. I probably should have just hung with the shepherd, but, you know. And so we, to get untangled, we're sort of ignorant of, of what's bothering us. But the solution is a shepherd, somebody who knows what they're doing, searches till they find the sheep, that is, finds the thing, finds the sheep, puts it on his shoulders, he bore our curses, he bore our sin, he bore our pains, puts it on his shoulders and takes them back to the flock. And what? Has a party. Okay, and so we got parties are going on here. So, so we celebrate. We celebrate freedom from entanglement. So the way that we get out of entanglements is we break free. Right? And so we say, I break now this relationship with this person. Or I break now the vows that I took when I joined the Masons. I, and so we, we, we got in with our mouth and we get out with our mouth. Okay? And so our words are powerful and we break it. We, and then there is often a legitimate need that that thing fulfilled, that soul tie illegitimate relationship or, or uh, you know, maybe a, it was a whole Ouija board thing and now I'm having nightmares, kind of, whatever it is, we didn't mean to get into a mess and we're in a mess. And the way we get out is we break it. Typically there's an exchange. Jesus, can I give you this mess? And Jesus, do you have something for me? Is there anything you want to give me? And the, the stories and the answers are unbelievably cool. What Jesus says to us in real time. Why? Because if by the Spirit we're doing this. We're not doing this alone with a counselor. We're doing this together with someone going to God together. Okay, that's how we do this. Okay. Sin, prodigal son, that's a pretty easy one. Don't need to talk too much about that. But when he comes to his senses, you can't convince someone they're a sinner, but the sin does the teaching. The father didn't have to go, see? He didn't put him in timeout. He didn't put him on probation. The sin did the teaching, and he could afford to be absolutely loving and accepting because we all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The person needs to confess and repent. That is God's doing. Remember Josh today talked about we're going to do business with God. Jesus was doing. This is how we do business with God. 
These four things are called doing business with God, doing, doing kingdom business. So the way we do business with sin is we get with someone, typically, and we confess and repent, and we get with someone for two reasons. One is when we bring it to the light, if somebody's there, we know it's to the light, right? It's, if you desperately don't want anybody to know, you probably ought to get with somebody. Some things you can just take God, you know, but some things God goes, yeah, that's good, but go find a brother, go find a sister and share it with them. And the way that we minister with them is that person, whew, okay, that person needs to know they're forgiven. They need to know they're clean. They don't share it with you and you go, yeah, me too. Yeah, I sin too. And they walk away still feeling dirty. They need to know that when I confess my sins, God is, why is that so big? When I confess my sins, God is faithful and just to forgive my sins and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. And so they need to know when I sit with someone, it's like the Catholics used to do with confession. They pronounce absolution. And we need to say, I want you to know that because you confess to me that that sin is taken on the cross and it's gone out of your life, there's no carbon copy. It's not stored in the cloud. It's gone. And I want you to know you're forgiven. There's no probation. There's no anything. If they have to make restitution, you say, how do we make it right with the person you, okay, let me help you sort that out. We're gonna go make that right, okay? So it's clean, it's over, and it doesn't dog you the rest of your life. See, Satan's job is to make you feel accused forever when you sin. God's plan is to make you free forever when you sin. Okay, ungodly beliefs. This is the older brother. The older brother was the hard worker. He was the Christian. He was the whatever. And yet, he just didn't know the father any better than the prodigal son knew the father. He was, he was totally stuck. And so he believed things about the father that were absolutely untrue. And just like the, 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 the father goes to the son and gives him a ring, a robe, and sandals, the three things a sinner needs, and it's all in the book, the father comes to him and he says, my son... You've always been with me. Everything I have is yours. Those are the three lies we believe about God. I'm not related. I'm not intimate. And God is stingy. Right? Those are the three lies we believe. And so, so typically there's some kind of mixture. I was wounded, so I sinned, and I believe something about God because of the wounding. And so we can sort it out. Okay? And so when we get together, we're not smart enough to sort it out, but we're smart enough to go, what's going on? Okay, well, let's pursue that. And we just kind of have this in the back of our head, and off we go, and amazing things happen. We're in the middle of Romans 8, and God's going, yeah, this is cool. Yes? It's, it's, when families do it, it's crazy. I have seen four-year-olds do it with two-year-olds. And it's like, you just sit, watch, just sit them, watch, and you laugh because the four-year-old goes, how are you feeling? Sad? Did you do something bad? Yes. Okay. What was it? Okay. Can we give it to Jesus? Okay. Now, I want you to know Jesus has it. Is it okay? Yeah. How do you feel now? Glad. Okay. And... <laughs> And we're done. See, if it was hard, we couldn't do it. 
unless you become like a child. If it was hard, if it took a PhD in counseling, we'd be stuck. But it doesn't. It's simple. It works. And then, if, if, for example, an ungodly belief or sin, if you say, okay, there's, let's walk this out. Now, we're, now let's get to Romans 12. What is it that you've been thinking? Let's work on the transformation of your mind so you don't go back there. Okay? So, so Romans 8 breaks it, takes the power away. You no longer have the obligation to, to feel or do these things. You still have the opportunity. So we go to Romans 12 and, and get rid of the opportunity. We just say, why would I want to? Oh, this, ah. Oh. See, and that's where a friend walks with you. That's where counseling is wonderful. Cognitive behavioral. What am I thinking? How do I behave? Okay. So let's go back to the, the any questions on that? We're going to visit this again and again. Okay, yeah. Can you just give me the four-year-old and two-year-old conversation again? Because, like, in this process, like, I, I know the words are eloquent and awesome, but when I'm, like, in the mix of it, I need a four-year-old's education of uh -huh. how do you feel? Bad. Why? Yeah. I hit my sister. Yep. Let's, um, let's do this. Um, this is the four-year-old for forgiveness. So let's start with there. But there's, there's language... And starting page 128, we go through the four kinds of, of doing kingdom business. And there's language that we learn, okay? And, and let, me sort of, let me sort of announce that um, I think we're going to be doing some training. Um, Otter Creek is interested in providing this ministry to its people and, and getting a team trained. We met with Mike and Josh and Mike Cagle and Jen and I met on Friday. And they're like, we're in. Let's do this. And so we're going to set up a time, if you're interested in learning how to do this, being part of a team or just learning it for your family, we're going to set up some nights, maybe, maybe eight weeks on a Tuesday night. It's going to cost a little bit. We're going to get really good at it together. And then when the elders or whatever somebody has, they say, look, there's a prayer team. Would you like to meet with them? That's going to be us. Okay? And there's people coming from three or four churches and Lipscomb High School is sending, Christ Press is sending somebody for the training. I mean, it's... Uh, it's going to be a good, fun deal. Somebody from Christ, uh, Christ Church is coming. Uh, we don't know when it's going to be yet. It's still in the, in the process, but soon. It should be done before school's out. We'll, we'll start and end before school's out. So it should be soon. Yeah, and there's training on the web, too. I mean, you can, you can go to the website, freedomprayer.org, and watch training stream live or order a USB with videos and stick them in. Jen's doing it. I'm doing it, and three other teammates are doing it. No. No. No age limit. Well, you got to be able to talk. <laughs> well, maybe not. I don't know. Might not be an age limit. Um, where am I time-wise? Okay, so. And teen, teen on teen, oh my gosh, <laughs> they go to the moon. I mean, teen on teen, when they're asking God together, they become absolutely inseparable best friends from this ministry. It, it creates a bond that you just, I've just never seen before. Because, you know, you're confessing together, 
You're encountering God together. You're healed together. You're accountable, accountable together. And it's like, man, I mean, youth groups get this and it's, it's crazy what happens among them in terms of connections, right? Because this is speaking the truth in love. This is Ephesians 4. This is what this is. This is a way. It, lo- it looks like a lot of ways, but this is a effective way. Okay, let's talk about forgiveness. And then what we're going to do is this. We're going to do a little exercise, and it's going to be very quick. We're going to break into groups of three. going to be very quick. We might not be able to. No, no, no. I'm, I've got to leave early. Oh, okay. Okay, you've got some deep, dark... Uh, nah. We're going to break into groups of three. And one person, just think of something like, yeah, I'd like, to, I'd like to forgive a boss, a teacher. Let's not do deep, dark spouse things. Let's not do... Uh, let's, just, let's pick things that are sort of fairly recent, that aren't crazy, that will take a long time and get very tangled. See, brother? Um, and so let's talk about what the steps again, and I'll, I'll just kind of walk through one. Okay, let's say that I'm forgiving a boss who was very controlling. Okay, and so count the debt, pass the debt to Jesus, release your right to judge the person, and ask God what need needs to be met, and if he'll meet that need. Forgiveness is all about really three things, debt, judgment, and need. It's, it always is. And so when we want to forgive really effectively, when we do those three things. So, le- so if I'm doing it, let's say, so I like to, when I do it, I like to envision the person. So I would say, Bob, you owed me God. I was a young, I was just brand new on the job. I didn't know what I was doing. You owed me instruction. You owed me mentoring. You owed me forgiveness when I made mistakes. You hired me to be part of your company. You owed including me instead of excluding me. And you're looking at it and you're saying, and then we say, Holy Spirit, is there anything else? Or sometimes we invite Jesus in because we can kind of sense, picture him easier than Holy Spirit. So you say, Jesus, is there anything else? And you go, oh yeah. And Amos says, is there's like, oh yeah. Um, that Friday, see, also, see, also I get that Friday when when uh, you asked me to meet with a client and then you did all the talking. I felt shamed by you. I felt belittled by you. You owed me letting me. That was my client. You owed me letting me do. See, also because then specifics, stories, specifics just make it alive, right? And so Jesus will bring a thing, a, a specific memory, and you just say you owed me. I've, I've, you know, mom. You owed me picking me up that Friday from the game. <laughs> it was like, okay. But see, and, and this is our sense of it. There's all kinds of explanations. And if the person were here, they go, well, now, wait a minute now. But see, this is, we're letting them off of our hook. Okay? So we're counting the debt. We write it down. We make a list. And we say, is there anything else? Is there, is no, no, I think that's it. Okay. Today, I choose to write canceled on this debt. I cancel it now in the name of Jesus. And Jesus, I give it to you. I don't, I don't want it. I, I pass it to you. I don't want to bear this unforgiveness, the strain of it, the anger of it, the bitterness of it. I give it to you. And then you stop a minute. I'll stop and say, how do you feel? What are you feeling? Is there anything else? And often they go, oh yeah. 
okay, this part's really embarrassing. See, and then they, because they feel it lift, and they go, oh wait, there's more. I want, I want the worst of it to lift. That time when you took me to the, the topless bar and said this is what guys do and, and tried to get me drunk, that was wrong. See, and all of a sudden, okay, wow, okay, see, now it's getting right down and dirty where we live. And then is there, and you just go through this, and then it's like, okay, we can't say I forgive you, you jerk, right? <laughs> and so then it's, and Bob, I release now my right to judge you, to judge your motives, to judge your character, to judge your maturity. I release now any judgment I have over you because I'm not omniscient. I don't know why you acted the way you did. So I release all right to judge, and Jesus, I give it to you. And sometimes we just say, people, just do that and do this, because sometimes body helps, right? Sometimes when we pray, like, this really helps me rather than this, okay? So I, I release it to you. But then we say, God, what did I need from Bob? Because if you try to go back and get it from him, he still's not going to give it to you. He can't. He doesn't know it. Maybe he will, maybe he won't. But if you keep going back, you're, still, you're just going to stir it up. Say, Jesus, what did I need? And it's like, oh, I needed a mentor. I needed a guide. So say, Jesus, would it be okay? I was asked, would it be okay questions. Would it be okay if you were my mentor, if you were my guide? Can I trust you? And again, what you hear is sometimes crazy. Sometimes a crazy memory comes up of a Boy Scout leader. You just don't know. You don't know. But he answers. Okay, is that, is that clear? Any questions about that process? Okay, we're going to take 10 minutes, just break into groups of three, and somebody say, I'd like to walk through this, and somebody say, I'll be the leader. Okay? If you get totally stuck, just raise your hand, and I'll come stick my head by. Okay, you got 10 minutes starting right now. It's, we're going to go to 42. Okay, so just break into three. Not going to make you do it. Yeah, I am. You might want to make a coffee date to pick this up. That usually happens. Because somebody goes, wait, wait, I want, to, I want to do this. Oh, wait, I want to do this. OK, um, I, think I'm, I think I'm not going to ask for testimonies. Yes, I hear that scream of a child. Um, yes, thank you, Siri. I appreciate, I appreciate you so much. Um, so I'm going to need to stop in a minute. One thing that we didn't talk very much about was called repeat after me. Did Jen talk about that the week I was out at all? So sometimes when you say to someone, okay, well, go ahead and forgive your dad, they're like, uh, hmm. And so oftentimes, it's like, a, it's like when a, 
when you're doing a wedding ceremony, they really want to say vows, but they forget what they are in the heat of the moment. So the preachers always got them. You know, I say, I'll say, I'm, I'm safe. Okay, repeat after me. And so sometimes someone says, I really want to forgive my dad, but I, I don't know what to say. And you say, okay. I, I'm going to lead you through it, and I'm going to say words that I, I feel might be right, but you change them any way you want to, and if, and if I stop but you want to keep going, you keep going. I'm just here to prime the pump for you, right? And so you can say, you ready? And they go, ready. You say, Jesus, and they go, Jesus, I forgive you, Dad, I forgive you, Dad, for teaching me the lie, and they go, for teaching me the lie that women were to be subjugated. All of a sudden, they're just crying their eyes out. Because why? That gives Holy Spirit a chance to be what we call prophetic, right? That gives Holy Spirit a chance. You're going to say something when you're leading, because you don't know where you're going either. You're going to say something when you're leading them and repeat after me that goes way deeper than any of you thought. It just, it happens that way. It just happens because God's there. It doesn't happen because we're holy. It doesn't happen because we are really good at hearing God. It happens because he's there. Okay? And so when we do repeat after me, really fun things happen. And it's not legal. And we, we give people total freedom to go off. I, I've done things where I've said two things, and then they go for 20 minutes about other stuff. And you just go, wow. They, they opened a door, they saw the closet, and they're throwing stuff out. This is incredible. Right? So what we're doing in this is to, is to create a structure that's safe, but maximum opportunity within that structure for God to speak, to move, and to do things that we don't expect. Culture of honor is really key for us. We never say, God told me. God told me is like, it's just like, shouldn't be in any Christian's voice, except if you wrote the Old Testament. You know, it just... We just should always say, we sense God may be saying, how does this sound to you, right? Because otherwise, you got to go eat crow sometime later when you go, well, maybe that was, maybe it wasn't exactly God. Or maybe God told me that not so I'd tell you, but so that I would act gently toward you. And I shouldn't have said he told me, I should have just acted it out, right? So we just got to be careful of that. Any last question or two? Any any thoughts? Um, yes. Well, I wanted to say that when you go through this, you, I have found in my experience, then I have greater victory in that very area that I forgave my yeah. father and mother. And my, I struggled with anger and um, really having a hard time nipping it. And I realized that I had judgment towards my father. Yeah. Yeah. We we were doing forgiveness for a lot of years, and finally one of the one of the women on our team said, "I think it doesn't take because we're still judging." And we all went, "You know, where were you two years ago? You know, now we got to go back and you know give people their money back and all that." Anyway, um, yeah. So we're all learning. We're all we always say we're all taking notes on the Holy Spirit. Every one of us is. That's why when you're on a team. You meet like every couple of weeks and say, okay, what did you hear? What happened? Oh, I tried this and it was crazy. And we just stick it on our tool belt. We just stick it. You know, it's like I found this vernier calipers that marks when you do it with digit. Oh, man, give me one of those. Okay, and so, yeah, Aaron? I really liked what you were saying about how you ask, like, 
Yeah. Because there's such a kindness in that speaking yeah. to God. Because, you know, learning the fruits of the Spirit, you know, you, you want to do that to others. But I find often I'm, I'm like demanding and like expecting God to do so much. And it's, it was such a nice thing when I was reading. Yeah. Also, because a lot of us feel like it might not be okay. And if the first question we ask is a gentle, would it be okay if, and you go, (gasps) I mean, we've had people, their whole idea about God change in that one second. Because God goes, I've been waiting for you to ask. And they go, you know, it's just like crazy. I mean, it's crazy that this paper mache beliefs we think about God that can crumble in an instant when we actually encounter God. I mean, it's going to happen in heaven, but why not here? Yeah, any other questions or thoughts? Yeah. We were talking about how if you're in a situation that's very painful, then you can forgive every situation that's painful, but if you're still in pain, how can you do that? Does that mean you're going to do Like, then that pain later, the hurt. Sure. The betrayal. Sure. Um, if somebody steps on your toe, it hurts. And if you forgive them, it hurts. Okay, so, so pain, we could say, Jesus, can I give you the pain? Okay, it's never going to be more than we can bear, and if it feels like it, we should, we should give it to him. Or we should say, what am I still believing about this? Right? But you know what? Pain hurts. It just does. I mean, I'm saved and I still sin. I know you might wonder. No, I, you know, uh, you, you know. Um, where's my wife? Okay, good. Thank God. Um, and so being saved doesn't mean we don't feel pain and doesn't mean we don't sin. It just means we have an advocate. It just means that it's taken care of. It means I don't have to, I don't have to wallow in guilt. I don't have to be stuck in it. It's, it, it doesn't rule me anymore. The end of Romans, nothing changed in his life except everything changed in his life. Right? You read through Romans and it's 10 minutes later, but everything's different if you get it. I was just going to say, there's a scripture that says God heals the broken heart and binds up our wounds. So there is a place to get magical, amazing, unbelievable healing. Yeah. We can just come in and spread his ball and just take the pain away. Mm-hmm. And I have taken that on in some really painful things in my life. And he's just magically... I say magically, spiritually, yeah. taking the pain away. So mm-hmm. there's, a, there's another tool that we haven't talked that much about that's, that's in this called inviting Jesus. But oftentimes in a painful thing, we'll say, Jesus, will you show me where you were when that happened? Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, my gosh. Or Jesus, what's true about this? Or Jesus, what lie am I believing about this? What, what am I believing that's not true? Pain is normally tied up in the lie. When I know the truth about what happened, the thing didn't happen, but the pain gets drained out of the thing. Because the the cork on the pain, the bottle of pain, is the lie. That's what keeps it corked up. Time doesn't heal us. It just makes us forget what's killing us. Right? We we could just talk all day. We need to just have an open-ended time where we can just do this for as long as we need to. That's what the training is, I guess. But anyway. Okay. I think Jen will be back next week. I'm not sure we're, we're doing. Jeannie's probably going to ask how everybody's doing next week. Um, bless you. Thank you.